Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your candidate or client search. I'm your host, Casey Haston. That was was like, well, (laughs) I'm your host, Casey Haston, executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And today we are in our new studios. I'm excited. This is the first recording we've done after the new year. So happy new year to everybody. It's going to seem a little off because of the timing of how we release them. But again, I am so excited. I have brought you one of my favorite people to share with you wisdom on finances, CFOs, all the good stuff. So today, let me introduce to you Fred Parrish, president and CEO of the Profit Experts and co-author of the E-Myth, uh, E-Myth Chief Financial Officer. Sorry, like I said, it's the first one back, <laughs> with um, which you co-authored with Michael Gerber, um, also known as a small business guru, where you're the finance guru. Um, Fred has more than 39 years of experience in corporate roles from staff accountant to CEO in both private and public companies. His company, The Profit Experts, offers the Profit Beacon software that allows any CEO to confidently put on the hat of a CFO and lead their company towards success by making the right financial decisions. Fred, it's about time. Yes, you it got is. On Casey, here. Thank you. Thank you. This is great. You know, it's so funny because you were one of the first people I asked to be on the podcast. And do you know what episode we're on? No. You're my quarter century. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Wow. I need to do better. I know. I probably need to, like, on that intro. I've gotten to the point now, though, if I mess up, I'm just like, meh. Yeah, there you go. It's fine. It's fine. So thank you for joining us today. thank you for having me. Um, Tell me, just to get started, tell me a little bit about your business, your company. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so the Profit Experts, uh, we do a number of different things, but primarily we have an automated chief financial officer software application that allows a small business owner and their staff to have predictive management capability that frankly uh, I was uh, I've worked for a couple of multi-billion dollar companies and neither of those companies had the capability that our software provides to even the smallest company interesting and this is you designed this I did yes out of uh, 40 years of doing a lot of different things. Smart yes. guy. Well, I don't <laughs> know about that, but we were able to put together some uh, really, really cool stuff. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, let's jump right in and talk about your book, because the book is the reason I met you originally. Right. So um, you co-authored the E-Myth Chief Financial Officer. It's the first of the E-Myth series to focus on finances, uh, the, right? The C, yes, and the C-level uh, suite. Okay. So... Uh, Michael has a number of books. Uh, he may be up around thirty now. That wow. are what he calls vertical books. So there is the CF, uh, the I'm sorry, the E Myth Accountant, the E Myth Bookkeeper. This is the first C level. Gotcha. Book. So he's going to do the E Myth CEO, the COO, CMO, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why did you choose to go the E Myth route? Well. 
My connection to the E-Myth really started about 15 years before Michael actually wrote the first book. No. Now, the reason well, And being, how long ago was that when he wrote the oh first book? Oh, my gosh. Like oh, that was 70... in 86, 87 was the first I'm dyslexic. E I was going to say yes. 78. Uh, well, and the reason I had such a connection is Michael talks a lot about McDonald's. Yes, yes. And I worked for McDonald's when I was in high school. I was the fast food king. I worked for several of them. But the thing about McDonald's was that the first week, now I was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. The first week I was on the job, I spent in the basement of the store training. They would not let me even touch a hamburger until I knew everything there was really? to know about that business. Amazing systems. And even at 16 years old, it was just a revelation to me that something could be that efficient, that structured, that good, that no matter where I went, I could do the, any job in that store, in any store, in exactly the same way. It was amazing to me. Wow. And then when I read Michael's E-Myth Revisited, Back in, uh, it was probably 25 years later, mm -hmm. uh, 2001 maybe, and uh, it just, everything that I had been thinking about the early stages of the systems, the process that we developed for our company, uh, it started connecting a lot of dots for me. That is so interesting. Yeah. I love how, you know, if you're open to them, these opportunities, just when they come along, they just seem to make sense to you. Yes. And But I don't think everybody sees that, so I think that that's really great that you have that knack or that ability to see those opportunities when they're presented. Well, you know, it's interesting. I have spent some time, uh, as you can tell, I've had a lot of it, but uh, <laughs> I, I've spent a lot of time over the last maybe 10 years trying to figure out how I landed where I have. And it, it's interesting because when I was in school, when I was in college, uh, I was an accounting major. Mm -hmm. I was on a Division One wrestling team. Okay, this is new information. And guys. I, did not I know played this. guitar and sang in a rock group. What? So you know, people looked at me like I had three heads. They yeah. didn't know what to do with me. And but when I think back about that, um, all three of those things are very structured. They're very disciplined. They're yeah. very precise, albeit very different. But it's those traits that we've been able to take and apply in our business to help um, everyone else. And it's that structure about the e-myth mm -hmm. that was so interesting to me and, and really is so important to any business out there. So in the system, and I've not seen... I think I've heard you refer to your program as CFO in a box. Did yeah, I make that up? Yeah, it's an automated okay. CFO. Yeah. Okay. So that's when people ask me about it when because I deal with a lot of small businesses, you know, that can't afford to hire a CFO. And so, I mean, kind of talk to us about the importance of a CFO. What does a CFO do? Well, a CFO will keep you out of the ditches. The CEO is thinking about how we're going to get more sales, mm -hmm. how we're going to deliver those sales, what operational components do we need to have, and the CFO is the one that keeps you headed down the center of the road. If you veer too far one side or the other, a lot of times companies will run into problems they can't recover from. 
and I've watched way too many otherwise really smart and capable business people take really good business ideas and run them into the ground because they couldn't see what was coming. Mm. And so a CFO needs to be that strategic visionary. They need to be able to take the CEO's strategy and quantify that and show if we do certain things, these are the outcomes we will get at different points in the future. I love that. I love that. So, and you know, and I deal with CFOs, right? um, But there's there's different kinds of CFOs. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Excuse me. And I think that it depends really on the size of the company. Okay. Large company CFOs are completely different animals than small company CFOs, and I've I've been both. But. In essence, a CFO, again, has to be that strategic partner for the CEO. It wasn't always that way. Up until maybe 10 or 15 years ago, the CFO was the person who uh, oversaw all of the financial functions, looked at tax and audit Mm -hmm. and all of those types of of, uh, issues in the company. Today, they need to be as strategic as the CEO, mm-hmm. they need to be that voice in the ear of the CEO and allow that CEO to to really focus on the growth aspects and the operational components of the business while they are watching what is happening from a financial perspective. And it takes into account a whole lot more than debits and credits right. and tax returns. There's a tremendous amount more to being that um, that's financial strategist than just those. You know, that's so true. And I tell people all the time that, you know, and I think I've told you this before, you know this, that I was in accounting for 20 years. I, I have learned more about accounting doing recruiting than I ever did in school or in practice. Yeah, I bet you have. Isn't that there crazy? are a lot of different kinds of accounts. So right? many different nuances. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, and for example, right now we're looking for an accountant that can do financial reporting that has the ASC 606, ASC 842. If any of you out there have that, please call me immediately. <laughs> um, but they also have to have the analysis piece. And I'm just like, man, we're on the verge of a purple squirrel here. That's not something I would have ever done in my career. Because I wasn't working with software companies and publicly traded companies, so I didn't need or lease accounting, and so I didn't need to know that well, stuff. Well, right, and and that is where the difficulty comes in for someone who wants to be a CFO, mm-hmm. and you have to be able to have a broad enough experience to be able to touch all these different aspects of the business, and most people don't have that. They'll mm-hmm. either start with a small company, and stay there for an extended period of time Mm -hmm. so they learn nothing beyond that company. Or if you start with a larger company, you're in a very specific area, and until you're able to to broaden your experience in other parts of that finance function, you just can't get a broad enough Mm -hmm. experience. And you also need to have enough operational experience to understand what is happening around the financial function. Otherwise, if you don't want to offend anyone, 
But if you have a lot of accountants trying to run the company, you've got the tail wagging the dog because yeah. accountants are not strategic people. No, I always tell people that accounting looks backwards, finance looks forward. That's exactly right. So, right. And you've got to have that piece. So you talk in your book a little bit about, let me make sure I get this right, tactical work versus strategic work. Is this what you're talking about right now? What's the uh, yes, in, in some ways. So the tactical is, we'll go the other way. Okay. The strategic is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. So we put a strategic plan in place. These are our, are our objectives, and these are the areas of the market or the business that we are going to address mm -hmm. in a particular way. The tactical is how we're going to go about executing on that strategic plan. Okay. And is that are both of those the CFO's responsibility? It depends on what part of the company is being impacted, but yes, they should be involved because on the strategic side, absolutely, because again, they have to be able to quantify all of those strategies that are necessary to accomplish whatever objectives there are. The, the tactical aspects, we need to make sure that as we are executing, we do it in a way that, that doesn't blow up the budget. Mm -hmm. I, I hate the word budget. Uh, we, really? We use rolling forecasts. It's a okay. more dynamic uh, approach to the same thing. But you're going to uh, really affect the operating structure of the company, the expense structure, mm -hmm. if you don't manage those tactical aspects correctly. I like that. I like that you do rolling forecasts. I do rolling quarters in my goal planning. Well, there you go. <laughs> Same kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to start maybe introducing that to some of my CFOs and see what they think. Instead of calling them budgets, they'll probably be like, Go recruit. Go find me talent. <laughs> so I want to back up for just a minute because I did miss one of our questions, and I want to talk about, again, your book, because I know you put a lot of time and effort into we it. put a lot of time into and it, And yes. so um, you break down business money into four groups, income, profit, flow, and equity. Do you feel that some small business owners neglect some of these groups, and how do they work together and affect each other? Yes. So income, the way, and, and those are Michael's descriptions. Uh, the way Michael sees that, income is what the business owner pays themselves. Okay. So to me, that's table stakes. You have to be generating en enough in cash to pay yourself something. Right. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to do that for very long. Unless True. You, it's just a very expensive hobby for you. The, like recruiting. Sorry. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So then we have profit, which there are several different kinds of profit, actually. You can have gross profit, mm -hmm. which gives you the cash that you have available to pay for all of the non-direct, the indirect operating expenses, which is your non-production staff, your offices, sales and marketing, all of those kinds mm -hmm. of things. And then you have the net profit after those expenses. If you don't have a profit, you're not going to be in business very long. True. And then flow is really where the money is needed and when. Okay. So at different points in time, you need cash in different parts of the business. And you just need to be able to manage all of those different elements over time. And in, in our world and at the Profit Experts, we teach people how to not only understand that today, but six months 
12 months, 24 months down the road. So you're teaching them a cash flow statement. Exactly. A forecasted, dynamic approach to that predictive management. Okay. In your software, did we cover all the categories? Uh, equity. Equity. Equity basically is the value of the company. Michael calls it equity. Uh, really, to create value in any company, it requires uh, cash flow. However you describe cash flow, mm-hmm. it depends on if you're doing a, a multiple of EBITDA or uh, discounted cash flow calculation. It always comes back to operating cash flow. Right. And so equity, in, in Michael's uh, view, is that value that is created in the operation of the company. Gotcha. Would that include like your intangibles, like goodwill or? Well, it would. um, Because they just don't really have a money value sometimes. Right. Well, it would really, I think, involve more uh, the intangibles like intellectual property. Okay. Or uh, something along those lines. Uh, Goodwill is the result of usually an acquisition of another company, and the goodwill is the amount that you paid over the book value of that company. Uh, so uh, that's that's a little different view of the world. But it's already uh, making my head hurt. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, there's a reason I don't do accounting anymore. <laughs> you know? But I think this is so important for our audience, especially on the company side. You know, people that we work with that are looking to hire, they also are looking to run a business because hiring is not their business, right? That may be mine, but it's not theirs. Right. So Michael said, um, Michael Gerber has said that the CFO role is the most abused and misunderstood role in the world of business. What importance and we've kind of talked about this, but let's kind of really drill down on it. Does he have in the day-to-day functions? We know he's forecasting out in the future, but day-to-day. Again, keeping the company out of the ditches, keeping everybody operating within the constraints of the strategic plan. Okay. We are going to accomplish certain objectives, and we have already agreed on how we're going to do that. We have to pay attention to how we are actually operating as it relates to what how we thought we were going to operate, mm-hmm. which is that forecast. And as we go through each period, we do a comparative analysis. We determine where the variances are. We find out why they were, uh, they were there. Uh, they can be favorable or unfavorable variances, and both are important. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand why they are what they are and then answer one of two questions. Is this variance the result of the fact that we are not managing a particular aspect of the business the way we thought we were going to or the way we intended to? Mm-hmm. Or has something changed in the business or the market around the business that is beyond our control? Those are two entirely different questions, and you have to manage those differently. If we're not managing a particular aspect of the business in a way that we should, we need to change Mm -hmm. and do what we thought we were going to do or what we had planned to do. If something has changed in the inherent characteristics of the market or the way the company operates that we cannot control, then we have to adjust our operating plan, our strategic plan, that rolling forecast Mm -hmm. that now shows us what our results are going to be based on new conditions. Could you give us like a solid real-world example? 
Uh, yeah, so um, payroll, for example. Okay. Let's say that um, we find we have an unfavorable variance in our production payroll, and when we look into it, we find that we have an inordinate amount of overtime. Okay. Because we didn't manage it well, and we let too many people take vacation at the wrong times. Uh, we weren't coordinating all of that activity, and so we had to pay overtime for people to cover for those straight time hours that we didn't plan for. The That's other a really side good example. Of that, payroll, again, yes. the other side of that is um, right now the unemployment rate has been going down for years. Yes. And a lot of people who have been sitting on the sidelines, who have not been included in that unemployment rate calculation mm -hmm. have been coming into the market. So the unemployment rate has stayed fairly flat for over a year now, probably about a year and a half. But now we're getting to a point where wages are starting to go up and it's starting to get tighter and tighter and tighter. So that is a market condition that we can't control and now our costs are going to start going up because we're going to have to pay our staff more because the market has changed. That is a great example. I can actually understand that one. Great. So I don't know if you know this or not, but um, and you're talking about unemployment, and I like to talk about this a lot on the podcast just because it does. it's one of those market conditions that affects right. the hiring, right? Absolutely. Um, and so nationally, across all industries, unemployment's about 3.5. It varies 3.4, 3.6, but 3.5 pretty steadily. Yes. In the accounting and finance world, do you want to guess what it is, or do you know? I don't know what the number is, but I do know that it is very low. Very low. Last time I looked, it was 1.5. Oh, my gosh. That's, like, non-existent. Exactly. And it is – that's why people are moving everywhere. Absolutely. And that's yeah. why it's so important that companies um, set that culture up for success so that you're going to keep that good talent that you're investing in to train. Exactly. So. Exactly. Because turnover – Oh, is one of so the costly. most expensive yes. events in any company. And the smaller the company, the more painful it is. I read an interesting article the other day. It was actually uh, posted by Sean McBride. He was commenting on another article. It was com in fact, Sean, you introduced me to Sean. Yes. I forgot we, about yes, that. Yeah. Yes. Wow. yeah. Um, but the article that he posted was, is it, um, there's a company that is, paying its employees when they leave so and interesting it's i'll send you that article because it is very interesting at first i was like what but and i was like i know like zappos does that they'll pay people but not when they decide to leave two years in the future right it's not like a retention they'll pay them like we'll give you two thousand dollars if you'll leave today that's not what this is what this is is that they negotiate on hire with the employee and they say if you leave in this manner and not put us in a oh, bind, right. we will pay you this money. That makes uh, good sense. Isn't that kind of brilliant? Yeah, it really is. Because in in today's world, with all the ghosting that's going on, uh, <laughs> Get me started. Uh, it, it's a tough employment market, and companies can be hurt very severely yes. if they can't manage that. Yeah. And again, that's one of the things that are a lot of times out of your control. 
Absolutely. So this kind of leads me to a really good intro to this next question because let's say a company is looking to hire a CFO to help identify financial problems and interpret everything. What are some traits and soft skills a company should look for in a CFO? I, I, that's a great question. And certainly they need to have the analytical skills. Mm-hmm. And that goes beyond accounting. I am a recovering accountant. And so you need to be able to do the debits and credits and understand what happens there. You need to at least have a general knowledge of the tax code that affects the company that you're going to be with. But those are table stakes. That is not unique, and that does not make you special. What makes you special as a CFO is, again, having that strategic ability to think out of the box, to be able to quantify those strategic plans that the CEO has. And one thing that that I find to be absolutely critical, and that is the ability for critical thinking, Mm, being able to connect seemingly unrelated dots and getting to a conclusion about how those events are going to affect the company today and really more importantly somewhere down the road that good stuff people i hope y'all just kind of rewind this part that was good um so i want to go off on a little fun tangent for a second okay so i one of the things that i was so privileged and i think this is where you and i kind of started really thinking oh there's some synergy here. We can work together. Was we sat on a panel that uh, Real News PR created called Prepping for the Sharks. Right. Michael Gerber was the small business guru. Was Delia? I, I feel like she was the spiritual guru. You yeah, were the finance right. guru. I was a hiring guru, and right. it was so much fun. And I know that you have a passion for helping small businesses absolutely avoid those pitfalls, avoid getting in the ditch. And so you have created a networking event um, that's going to end up going nationally called Prepping for the Sharks. Yes. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So we are building something that is unlike any networking event I've ever been to. And I I, I've been to a lot of them. And this is not standing up, giving your 30-minute, I mean, your 30-second pitch mm-hmm. and handing out business cards And frankly, I did that for years and years and years. At one point in time, I was spending 15, 20 hours a week going to meetings, following up on one-on-ones. I can't point to one client that we got out of any of that. It was just crazy. So what we are doing is we want to change the way small businesses are managed. Okay. We're going to do that by changing the owners. Mm -hmm. and the way they approach their business. So the structure we have for the meeting is that we have a uh, presentation, a five-minute presentation, one minute on five different sections. It is structured in the way a business plan is laid out. Mm -hmm. So the first minute is about the company. The second is about the market. The third is about the path, as we call it, which is either a path to revenue or increasing revenue or profits or increasing profits. The fourth is staff or management. And then the fifth would be the financial for a business plan. Mm -hmm. But we don't ask people to give their financial information. We have them tell us what they need us to help them with. 
And then we spend, after that five minutes, I mean, you've got to do it in five minutes because we're going to cut you off. Right. There are reasons for that. It disciplines you to know your business in very succinct chunks. And then we spend the next 20 minutes helping you with those aspects of the business that you need help with. And then at the end of the meeting, we have a very in-depth, deep conversation with everybody in the meeting. Much deeper conversations, and we can help people in uh, bigger ways, much more than the 30-second commercial. I love it. And I, I think I've only missed one of these because um, <clears throat> I'm a huge supporter of prepping for the sharks. And I love what you're doing. I love that you bring those. And the way I like to describe it to people, it's literally prepping for the sharks. These are people that are wanting to take their business to the next, <clears throat> pardon me, level, get that funding, like somebody who might go before the sharks to right. ask for funding, right. but aren't quite ready. And they just need a few tweaks. And that's what these gurus are here to help them with. That's right. And I think, and we have a lot of small business owners that will come into the meeting that offer some really great advice. Yeah, it's absolutely, it is such a good exchange. Yeah. And we will be adding training components. A each member is going to contribute uh, training mm -hmm. elements from their experience. You would do it on recruiting. Mm -hmm. We would do it on finance. We have marketing people. We have operations people uh, and all of the different business owners. So, uh, yeah, we're really excited about it. I think, I, I think we can change uh, a lot of people's lives. I totally believe that. Yeah. And if guys, we usually meet. We, are we still meeting at Blue Mesa? Uh, yes, Blue Mesa, third Wednesday of every month at eleven thirty. Eleven thirty to one. So you get yep, good food. Absolutely. You get good people. Good networking. It's a lot of fun. Fred, how do people find you if they need to get your CFO in a box? Well, uh, go to theprofitbeacon.com, and there's a lot of information on there. Uh, if if they want to contact me directly, my email address is f parish at profit-experts.com. Perfect. And that's Parish with two R's. Yes, Parish with two R's and an A. And an A. <laughs> We're not, we, we don't want you to perish. No. <laughs> awesome. Well, we are about to run out of time, if you can believe it. I, I know when the two of us get together, we just yap, 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 yap. And, but before we do, I've got, a, I've got some questions I want to ask okay. you. These are the really fun questions. Okay. But I also want to just say thank you for stepping up and Putting up with me in my oh, acting life. I love it. I, I've been looking forward to this for, <laughs> at what, about six weeks now? Yes, since yes. Since we, we scheduled had, it. Yes, and I, but I really appreciate it. You've been a great mentor and friend, so thank well, you for that. I appreciate that. It's oh. always fun to be together. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so now for the fun questions. If you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what, what three things or people would you take with you? Well, that's interesting because I have three kids and three grandkids. Uh -oh. uh, yes, Who so, has to stay home? Yes, so um, I would take uh, one person and two things. Okay. Uh, I would take my wife because she is just my best friend. I can't think of anyone I'd rather you, spend time with. And you two have been married a long time, right? Uh, we've been married 20 years. That's a long time. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, so, I mean, that's it sounds a little... Uh, cheesy, but that's nope. reality. Uh, I would take my Bible and my guitar. I love that you play guitar. You're yeah. going to have to play for me. Guess what I just got? What's that? A keyboard. Oh, no kidding. I played piano as a kid, and that used to be such an outlet for me. And so I thought, and I haven't played in like 
I'm not going to say how long because that's not nice, but a long time. Yeah, I haven't touched my guitar in at least five years, so I figure on Mars I'm going to have plenty of time. There you go. So, yeah. Pick we it should back start up a again. band. Yes, we should. <laughs> you sing and play guitar. Yes, it's been a while, but yes. <laughs> that would be so much fun. <laughs> Um, okay, let's serious now. Go, come back, come back, come back to Earth from Mars. Um, so, what's one thing that you do in the morning to set your day up for success? You know, I I get up at four o'clock usually, oh, so and I, you know I found that I can get more bet- done between four and seven uh, before the rest of the world wakes up than I get done almost during the rest of the day. I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, so I've just trained myself over the years to do that. So I get up at four. And I'll read for maybe an hour, hour and a half, and then I just get caught up on some email or something that I didn't get finished from the day before, plan the day, and then get to it. Do you do any kind of formal planning for the day, like in a, like a goal journal or anything like that? No, uh, I don't. I have tried that in the past, and, you know, even though... I'm a former wrestler who are usually pretty disciplined people. I just couldn't, I just couldn't be that disciplined. So, and, you know, to be honest with you, my day changes so often. Right. You know, you just have to uh, be able to pivot. Gotcha. So to speak. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is the question I'm really interested to hear your answer on. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would Fred Parrish's headline be? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. Um, I think, trying to keep it as short as possible, recovering accountant, changing small business owners' lives. I love it. That's a good one. Well, thanks. So. Yeah. Well, Fred, again, thank you so much for taking the time to I come really speak with me today. And you. I just thank have you. one more thing to say to you. What's that? You are a VIP. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.